traders, analysts, and other followers of the energy industry. My name is Corey Stewart, and I'm a senior analyst with Refinitiv, your go-to partner for energy analysis and data. As always, I'm here with Jim Mitchell, Refinitiv's head of America's Oil Analysts, and we're going to take you through what's happening in energy in the Western Hemisphere. So, Jim, where is that good Canadian oil flowing to? So let's start on the east side. White Rose, Terra Nova, and Hibernia are all FPSOs, which is to say they're a moored drilling ship. They can literally disconnect and move out of the way of icebergs. The fourth production rig is Hebron, and it's a big one. It sits on the seabed floor in about 92 meters of water. Of their 315,000 barrel-a-day production in 2019, 66% of it went to the U.S., of that 66%, about 61% went to New York and New Jersey. Uh, about 7.3% to UK, 7% Netherlands, 6% China, 5 to Italy, and 8% of the east side of Canada production scattered around mostly Europe. Since March of 2020, the din- dynamics are changing a little bit. So only 52%, down from 66%, is going to the U.S., and instead of the 61% going to New York, New Jersey, only 40 per, 46% was going to New York, New Jersey. And Texas and Louisiana picked up a bigger slice of that pie. Uh, China stepped up a little bit to 15%, UK 6%, and the other usual suspects make up the balance. Heading over to the west side of Canada, 2019 saw about 4, 4.5 million barrels a day of production. Uh, so where did that all go? About 700,000 barrels a day stayed home and was refined. A very small amount, about one Aframax, 500,000 or so barrels, uh, was loaded in Vancouver off the Kinder Morgan Westridge dock. About half of that went to the U.S. and the other half split between China and South Korea. So three and a half barrels, three and a half million barrels a day coming to the U.S., uh, Pad 2 refining and storage is the biggest consumer of about 2.7 million barrels of the 3.5 million. This line has been choppy to be sure, yet very consistent and upward to the right. Pad 3 took, o- took a little bit over 500,000 barrels a day in 2019, down to about 480,000 barrels a day average so far in 2020. So certainly a dip, not that big. Okay. Well, how about our U.S. homegrown oil? Where's that going? So last week I talked about Alaskan production at about 425 to 500,000 barrels a day. And like clockwork, this ANS, Alaska North Slope, goes to the Seattle area, the San Francisco Bay Area, and Long Beach. Six ships generally make this uh, circle path. And I've seen so much of them I can name them off the top of my head. Polar Adventure, Alaskan Navigator, Polar Enterprise, Alaskan Explorer, Alaskan Legend, and Polar Discovery. So heading over to Mid-America, I want to highlight two things. First, the interaction between Bakken and Eagleford. Bakken is produced in North Dakota and Montana. Eagleford's produced about 1,700 miles almost straight south in Texas. Bakken production is currently about 1.1 million barrels a day. It does go west to some of the Seattle refineries, not all. It can rail to the Bay Area, but that starts to get expensive. 
Bakken can and does go south, but runs into competition from the DJ Basin production. Dakota Access and Platte Pipelines bring Bakken to Patoka, which is the Cushing of the Midwest. Patoka serves the Chicago and Detroit markets. Bakken can also catch a ride on Enbridge Pipelines and serve the Chicago market directly as well as Detroit and the Canadian markets of Sarnia and Montreal. Bakken can go south to Cushing, but it runs into a juggernaut called WTI. <laughs> if it survives that price battle, it gets to battle Eagleford for space in Houston. So needless to say, that is pretty rare. Eagleford is pretty much pinned to the south by WTI. The two grades battle via price for usage in Houston, and with Eagleford dominating the Corpus Christi refining sector. But that does have some perks. The principal one being it is fairly easy and cheap to get it on a boat, which takes me to U.S. exports. What grades and where does it go? West Texas Intermediate is far and away the most exported grade in the U.S., with Eagleford being a distant second. At 4.3 million barrels a day versus 1.1 million barrels a day, there's a whole lot more WTI than there is Eagleford. Other grades do get exported, like South Green Canyon, which is the heaviest grade produced in the U.S. Gulf. Mars is another popular export grade, especially when co-loaded with Eagleford. So where does this WTI go? In 2019, the U.S. averaged about 3 million barrels a day of exports, with the biggest majority of that coming out of Texas. Can anybody guess where the number one customer, the number one destination is? Yeah, I got this one wrong, too. It's actually the U.K., followed <laughs> by Canada, Netherlands, and a distant four and five or South Korea and Italy. Jan and Feb 2020 saw a little bit different deal as the volume shot up to 3.7 million barrels a day, but the customers were about the same. May saw volumes closer to 3.2 million barrels a day, and the customer base changed a little bit. Of all places, China held that number one spot, followed by the UK, Canada, and the Netherlands. Jim, you know, I'm sensing here in our conversations that this you have this growing affinity uh, with the Mexican oil market and uh, President Obrador. <laughs> that is definitely true. I, I like people with conviction. In, in 2019, uh, marked a definitive change in the Mexican energy market. President Obrador took office December 1st, 2018, on a platform of making Pemex great again. The changes are coming slow and calculated, but crystal clear in their intent. 2019 oil production averaged about 1.72 million barrels a day, and with only about 600,000 barrel a day refining capacity in the first half of 2019, so that meant more than 1.1 million barrels a day had to be exported. The U.S. received the biggest chunk of that, about 54%, Spain about 15%, India 14%, and South Korea about 8%. The second half of 2019 saw more Mexican refining capacity come back online, so up from 600,000 barrels a day to now 900,000 barrels a day, which meant, of course, less exports. And the customers and the percentages were roughly the same. One important note, uh, thing to note about this is that this decline in Mexican imports to Texas coincided with a rally in Canadian WCS in Houston. 
So 2020 saw more of the same trend with refining capacity in Mexico at capacity at 1.62 million barrels a day. EIA's short-term energy outlook projected Mexican oil production to get up over 2 million barrels a day with the new production that's coming online. The industry is tempering that enthusiasm a bit and calling it about 1.9 million barrels a day. Clearly, most of this will stay home and be refined, but some three to 400,000 barrels a day will be exported. Looking at the exports from March to May, the customer list is about the same with one notable exception. The U.S. is now taking 63% of Mexico's ex exports. So it would appear the battle of the heavy sours in the Americas going to have a Texas draw to it. <laughs> so, Corey, what, what are you seeing in South America? Well, my friend, I'm going to start in a unique place today because I feel like I've been giving a lot of love to countries like Brazil, Venezuela, and Colombia without really talking about much else. Now, granted, those places are where the action is, so we'll go there. But first, Uruguay. Yes, I said Uruguay. I know, I, I know the country really shouldn't be coming up on our radar much. Uruguay has a population of only about 3.5 million people, so not much in the way of energy demand. The country has no oil production. It has tried to gain interest from companies for offshore drilling, but after Total here recently drilled a dry hole in deep water, uh, given our current global crisis and low oil prices, uh, future production there is questionable. And in all of Latin America, we have just under 7.8 million barrels per day of refining capacity. If you strip away places like Mexico and, and, and the Caribbean, and talk only about South America, the number drops to about 5.4 million barrels per day, which of course is questionable because uh, that includes Venezuelan capacity, and I don't really know that we should account for that uh, as it's probably not that operable. Anyway, Uruguay has one refinery and with cap a capacity there of, of only 50,000 barrels per day. Yet, the country over the 2015 to 2019 period averaged about 215,000 barrels per day in waterborne crude imports. If I look here at the ICON data, I can see where in 2018 crude oil trade was roughly balanced, meaning about the same went, on, went out in exports that came in as imports. In 2019, however, imports began to overtake exports. And in 2020, there have been about 32,000 barrels per day in imports over exports. I bet that has something to do with Uruguay's neighbors, doesn't it? Absolutely. Now, it should come to, to as no surprise to anyone here that trade trade volumes are down. Um, and given its proximity, Brazil is always one of Uruguay's biggest crude oil trading partners. But where volumes historically flowed through Uruguay, then onto other locales, especially China, now it appears that Brazilian crude is somewhat building there. I believe there's about 3.4 million barrels of crude oil storage, and I don't readily have info, information on the current inventories. Regardless, it somewhat diminishes Brazil's strong crude oil, oil export story in the face of coronavirus. And it's moving there too. I mean, as we discussed here before, uh, Brazil intended to cut 200,000 barrels per day of production this year due to the coronavirus, but since it's reversed course on the back of Chinese demand. In April, Brazil produced nearly 2.96 million barrels per day. Tuning in again to our flows data, we can see that Brazil exported 1.58 million barrels per day of crude, nearly 1 million of that going to China. And as I mentioned earlier about Uruguay, 
I can see we're just about over 84,000 barrels per day discharged there. May saw some relaxation of the direct to China route with just over 900,000 barrels per day heading there, but 315,000 uh, BPD headed to Singapore, up from 92,000 the month before, and nearly 100,000 uh, barrels per day going to Uruguay. For June, I already have 734,000 barrels per day set to load. We've also discussed previously Brazilian refining and its lack of complexity. Though Petrobras is engaged in bringing utilization back up, we really don't see that in the crude import numbers. Brazilian crude imports swing relatively widely, with some months reaching almost 300,000 barrels per day. This year, however, January and February about 172,000 barrels per day, while we saw a reduction to 128,000 BPD in March, and further loss to 108,000 in April. For both March and April, about half of what was imported was Arab light. And one last thing on Brazil. Sugar mills there have turned to producing sugar rather than ethanol with a diminishment of gasoline demand. The last, with the last few years, something like two-thirds of sugarcane has been devoted to ethanol production, so this is certainly a change. Now, Brazil has been hit very hard with the coronavirus, but it begs the question. If things pick back up, will, will U.S. Gulf Coast gasoline exports to Brazil become attractive? I mean, there's some pricing pressures there, but in general, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're more satisfied with uh, local production. Um, it tends to, to, to move the balance of the gasoline market. So something we'll watch. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about Venezuela. What you got going there? Oh, man, our old friend Venezuela. Okay, well... You know, the funny thing is, well, and it's not funny, I guess if you're there, but bicycle shops are booming there as fuel shortages persist and people take to two wheels. The U.S. has sanctioned four shipping firms for transporting Venezuelan crude. We talked previously about the FBI's investigation into Libra Albertors and others' food for oil programs, but now Mexico is investigating these firms as well. And Iran, despite harsh words from the U.S., has stated that it will continue to send fuel to Venezuela if requested. For years now in this industry, I've been talking to colleagues about when a true breaking point will actually occur. Apparently, it's not going to be this week. In 2018, Venezuelan crude exports are averaged 1.3 million barrels per day. In 2019, just under 830,000 barrels per day. Well, this year has seen exports just, just fall apart. I mean, we started the year with January print of just over 700,000 per day. But April saw 230. And now I'm looking at June at about 200,000 barrels per day. And what's worse, the VIN's trading partners have system systemically been falling away. Looking at ICON data again, I see in May where about a third went to Cuba, and the remaining volumes found a way to Spain and Singapore. Of the 200,000 barrels per day set for June export, around 33,000 will be heading to Cuba. So, folks, that's all for me this week. Um, Jim, you know, seems like economic storm clouds are are brewing. What do, we, what do we got going up for next week? So the pandemic has certainly reduced export volumes everywhere. What I find fascinating is how little the market share has actually changed. So next week, Corey and I will explore the potential impacts of the growing rhetoric again between the U.S. and China. All right. Sounds fun. Thanks, everyone. And as always, reach out with questions and comments. Have a great week.